0: You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 3, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners One Day, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.
1: Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the Senior Living Podcast with Josh and Lucas. We have an incredible show today, and we're going to ask you to dive into the weeds around some COVID data. I know that that doesn't sound that exciting, but I'm telling you, we have a lot to celebrate as an industry when you look at the numbers, it tells a very positive story as far as success and celebrating the heroes of this industry and what everybody has been working so hard to accomplish, which is to protect and and provide safety and con, uh, infection control in senior living communities. And today we have James Graber, Managing Director, Senior Housing and Healthcare Valuation at CBRE here in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, um, this is something that we have talked uh, more than our typical pre show planning. Um, we've had multiple conversations around these numbers, um, and you found some very interesting things. Um, just before we dive into these numbers, tell us why you would be qualified to crunch these types of numbers because I'll be the first to raise my hand. No one wants Lucas diving into really deep mathematical data. It would probably not be, well, number one, I would never cross the finish line on it, but you James have more of that analytical brain and have that experience. So tell us.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. No, so we're, you know, I, I lead our national seniors housing practice and valuation um, for CBRE, as you mentioned, and In that, and we're analyzing um, metrics on a daily basis, you know, market analysis side, and COVID has essentially accelerated that. Um, so we're coming up with a thesis in underwriting and dealing with uh, the investors actively looking at the space, what operators are thinking, and how we're forecasting not only the last seven months, um, but also where we are right now, where we're looking to be three months, 12 months, two years, and further. Um, And so we get calls from investors daily where they're asking us, you know, how are we underwriting this? You know, everybody believes in this long uh, demographic story, right, for seniors housing from an investment standpoint, which has definitely been, uh, you know, a storyline. But the thought is, well, what what about now? You know, what about this next 12 months, two years, three years? Where are we? And um, what is the data really telling us? And, and there's you know there's a narrative um, from more you know headline stories right where you can you can get that discussion point from you know, risk boards regularly where they say well what about this article or that article have you seen this um, and so it, it really prompts you to say well let's dig into that data um, let's go into the CDC numbers CMS numbers and really see what's happening um, and and how the operators are responding right and the impact on the industry and. A lot of that is you know our underwriting right now is looking at occupancy right and it's been in decline on aggregate uh, for almost all care levels and how is that projected to continue where will we reabsorb how will we reabsorb and um, that sort of thing so that's that's really what's given us the the uh, the deep dive here
0: well james so that's um that's awesome for our listeners before we start touching on just some of the the points that you want to make um that are indicators, perhaps from some of the data that you've been crunching. Can you tell us a little bit about what sources or, or a source you come from? Because in this day and age that we're living in of, I, I think the average consumer, the average senior living professional that's just trying to get out there and do their job every day are being inundated with headlines that just have bits and pieces of information from every kind of source or non-source that is out there. So where do you go to find the data? Yeah,
2: so when we're, we're looking at the COVID, um, COVID impact and, and analyzing where, where, where census is declining due to you know, natural attrition versus where is it, um, you know, folks just being you know, nervous about going into communities, that sort of thing. Um, you know, we obviously stay away from you know, news media, that sort of thing, and there, those kind of sources. We're looking at CDC um, for uh, infection and and, and uh, mortality data itself, um, and looking at what has historically happened. Same thing with the CDC, um, CMS data um, on what their rates are, and bifurcated by age groups and cohorts. Um, so those are the those are two primary sources that I think are um, probably the most reliable um, under that scenario that we've seen. Um, and then there's some you know just more global um, COVID impact and testing resources that you can find. Um, but for the most part, we're going you know org not not necessarily com. If you know what I mean.
0: So not not social media like not Facebook and Twitter. We, we, we I try to stay away from Instagram for our research. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So let's dive into some of the interesting things. Obviously, we we're going to kind of scratch at the surface. Um, our audience can connect with you if they want to get really deep dives, like we've been able to do. But start start at the tip of the iceberg and start at the high level and work us down into what some of these numbers you find are finding really should tell us should inform us about what's going on
2: Yeah no so I, I would say I would want to start with a couple different things. So first of all, when you're talking about illness and mortality statistics, um, there's there has to be an understanding that there's real pain tied to each of those statistics These are real human beings that we're talking about um, and so I think that you know it's part of our um, really our responsibility in the centric industry. Is to um, to take a deeper dive and an objective dive into this empirical data, um, but with that understanding that look, we're we're talking about loved ones, right, and our um, you know our, our grandparents and our parents, and and so I think it's that's worth saying, and I think it's definitely necessary. Um, you know, when you look start looking at the data and how you know the, the cycle of the life cycle of seniors' housing, um, how short it is typically. Especially when you get into higher acuities, um, so I think that's something we need to we need to uh, recognize early on. Um, and so, you know, with that with that understanding, really digging into um, on the COVID side, you know, we we have skilled nursing has been been mislabeled as um, you know many things um, over the last seven months. But I think if you look at skilled nursing in general, it really is a solution for end of life um, in the United States. And it's been that way, 30 to 35% of folks uh, in mortality in the United States has been in in skilled nursing. And mortality so far this year from COVID is about four and a half percent of their census. And if you look at four and a half percent of their census, that's less than half a percent a month in typical Attrition due to mortality within skilled nursing is in the three and a half percent range monthly. So we're still talking below that. I and mean, if you look at aggregate numbers, those numbers end up being where yes, they have gone down um, on their census levels, but we're seeing that at this point, those that that negative decline is is, redu- is reducing, and word I would I would say that right now on aggregate, we're we're hitting a trough. So we're hitting that bottom on the on the census decline, and really it's from a need based standpoint, right? So, um, as folks, if you if you're trying to hold off on sending a loved one to skilled nursing, assisted living, memory care, um, you know, we in the last in the Great Recession, we pushed the median age about as far as we could from an affordability standpoint, right? And so now we're at a point where. Folks that need that, they, they truly do need that. This isn't a lifestyle choice. And so in that, we have some, some attrition due to COVID, but I'll say on, on overall, I mean, skilled nursing, COVID mortality and COVID-involved mortality, even more specific, um, represents less than 10% of mortality in skilled nursing this year. And so when you look at it that way, even from an operator standpoint, the focus has been one thing from a media standpoint, but from them caring for for the for the those you know weakest among us and most in need, um, their challenge has been this massive focus on nine percent. But that nine percent includes um, comorbidities, right? And especially at this age cohort, and I think it's uh, the CDC says it's about six percent of the actual COVID involved mortality is does not have a strictly COVID, solely COVID. So, and, you know, in that really less than 1% of mortality in skilled nursing is only COVID directly, right? And it's involving other ailments. And so that, and that's something that that operators are, are very well adept at dealing with because those aren't, those aren't new, right? Um, but there's a, just a whole new dynamic here where we're focused in on this one to 9%, however, however you're calculating that, and there's still 90 plus percent of the census um, that's you know, turning over, and that's a um, you know that's a that's a consideration. I think that that the operator should be celebrated for that for several different reasons. But I think that that that's a heavy lift to get your staff to completely change everything, um, and while keeping those those rates low, and even you know looking at the overall mortality this year being a um, on par or actually well below what it has been historically. Um, I think it's evidence itself of, you know, how well they've done. Um, And I think in, you know, the skilled nursing side, um, not to focus too much, but it's really the high acuity um, component, but we're seeing, you know, it's interesting. We just were this, this week, we're coming out with our investor survey, um, seniors housing investor survey. And in that the only um, care level that did not increase in cap rates was flat with skilled nursing. And most, Folks that aren't familiar with the industry or are that that deep in the industry, that's somewhat shocking to them, because they see the headlines and they think skilled nursing is just you know getting getting crushed. Um, but I would say that even early on in the in the pandemic, first month or two, really you know getting two or three months in, um, we were already seeing that be the most demand um, from the buy side, and um, and so you know it wasn't a shock to us to see that. Um, And it takes some explanation as to why. And those are properties that are, you know, operating with no margin, maybe negative margins. That's really the concept of it's need-based. It's not going away anytime soon. And, you know, there's not another alternative and is a selected alternative in our country for um, for taking care of our,
0: our elders. Well, you know, Lucas, James, I'm listening to this and it's very different. Um, it paints a very different story from what um, a newspaper or a headline um, that we've probably all witnessed over the last several months is, um, is painting of, of what we call our industry, um, as you mentioned, the skilled nursing sector of our industry. Um, I think it's a very important message, um, what you've just said, and, and really it should be a wake-up call to all the operators, um, out there that when we really dive into the data and really understand the sources, it's amazing. Um, really what a great job these senior living operators have done this year overall, in spite of everything that's been thrown at them. So a couple of questions that I have for you, um, and I'll just start with one. So you picked out, um, the the nursing sector the nursing home sector is there similarities in the statistics in the data the trends when we go maybe a little further downstream in the acuity and we look at the maybe uh, if you could classify it as the more assisted living or memory care acuities or or is data even being Tracked as well in those type of communities.
2: Yes. Yeah, so the the assisted living, you start you break away from CMS and CDC requirements, right for for how they're reporting. Um, but I would say that you know if you break out on just by age cohorts and you look at um, COVID COVID based mortality um, from 75 plus, I and mean, you're talking um, it's 055 percent of that age population. Um, and I would, you know, if you look at skilled you know, assisted living memory care, is about a, about a million folks, right, in the country, um, out of a population of 22 million. Um, but I, we don't have the actual data from communities. I would say we have reported data. Um So Ventas came out last week with the third quarter. Um, they mentioned that I think they have 93% of their communities, which represented about 35,000 units. Um, have no, uh, no sign of COVID or no top positive tests in the last several weeks. Um, if you look at, you know, all the portfolios that we track along the way and as we're underwriting, we're not seeing the penetration, um, to the level that you may, you may hear, right? And, and I think some of the, some of the headlines that you may be referencing, they'll say seniors housing and skilled nursing. When they really are just they, there's a lack of understanding outside the industry of what those actually are, um, because they're really referencing skilled nursing, right? Um, and so I think there's a two two different things here where we're saying we're supporting the industry in skilled nursing. We don't want to break away and say no, that's the skilled nursing's problem, right? We're seniors housing. Um, I would say no, skilled nursing is actually doing a phenomenal job given the task they've been they've been handed, right? And I think that the data supports that. Um, I think um, you know the, the the negative absorption or the you know the attrition and o- occupancy over the past seven months would be more of a perception and a holding off right and folks are not going in and getting their wellness checks they're not going in so of course this is one of those items that they would say we're going to push it as far as we can um, but back to the you know, the assisted living. As I would say the, the properties that we track and we, we appraise and, and work on a little over 2,100 properties a year. Um, so in that, you know, we, we manage several portfolios and we're not seeing, we're seeing declines, right? And some on aggregate and there are, it's more bifurcated by, by operator. Um, there's really one location geography that's being hit the hardest on the occupancy side. And obviously that's the northeast just on an aggregate level. Overall, though, there's not a, a geography that I'm. We're seeing that there's a specific decline. It's more property based, right? Um, but in all, it's not necessarily due to uh, COVID mortality, right? So we're seeing it's more in assisted living. It's it is need based, right? But it's lower acuity, so you can hold off a little longer, um, and I think that's what we're seeing. Um, folks do. And I think I was speaking with an operator, um, actually yesterday and he said, really, at the end of the day, if it's a, if it, if you're allowing, um, the adult children to come visit that, it, but until that happens, um, and that's starting to, to happen now and starting to be, um, CMS guidelines, but it's not, it's not permitted everywhere, right? And so as that happens, um, I think that you will start seeing the positive absorption, um, which we're already seeing. I mean, one of the, portfolios that we we manage that has the had the most significance so northeast base that had the most significant decline on aggregate of any uh, portfolio that we've seen um they about two months ago they started seeing a, pos- a positive net absorption right kind of hit a drop and so we're seeing that just uh, overall um, and in some areas it was never never went down where it went down what 100 200 bps on their occupancy but I wouldn't say it, w- it went down because of mortality or COVID impact. It was more perception and lack of folks moving in, right? And so I think that's, a, that's something we see very, very regularly. Um, I think um, I was talking with an operator here in Dallas last week, and you know one of the, one of the positives that I've seen is that the industry is very small in, in reality, and folks do take care of themselves and take care of each other. And so, you know, this, this operator has a handful of properties um, in the DFW area, and they partner with other operators that where they can protect the residents, when they have someone test positive, they can transport them to a community where that's where they transport, may need provide even better care, right? Because now we have very specific care for COVID, um, remove them from a property that does not have many instances of COVID, and then they can transport them back. Um, after they've quarantined and been taken care of um, at even a better level. And being able to do that collaboratively, that's actually a very common story that we hear. Um, and I think that those kind of stories need to be celebrated and need to be um, brought to the top, right? And I know operators are definitely trying to do that. And so I think that's part of this is try we, we want to get that message out there because I think that operators have been um, bending over backwards to, to make sure that they're, you know, on aggregate, and of course, everybody has, there's a story out there of somebody that maybe not, but that's, I would say, uh, for the most part, um, most operators have just been working, working their tail off, right, to make sure that the seniors are taken care of, and, um, and that's, that's really what the story is saying, what the data is saying.
1: And, you know, this is another good example where the headlines is literally the opposite of reality. Um, we see these headlines where it's just kind of like low hanging fruit for a big media outlets to just slam senior living. Um, and it creates this perception, in the marketplace that you would literally want to put your parents or your grandparents anywhere, but in senior living. And in fact, the data shows that they're much safer in these environments. And what people don't understand is that senior living and skilled nursing, They're all prepared for this. They have gone through many bouts of very difficult pathogens, viruses, flus, SARS. This is not new to them. Of course, COVID, for obvious reasons, have um, added an even greater level of challenge in these environments. So I'm not minimizing um, how hard this is, but they're prepared. My point is, is that because they're prepared, they were able to step up to the plate and able to meet this head on. And in fact, the data is showing that it's a very safe place and possibly the safest place you could put someone who is immunocompromised or in these categories. That's what the data is showing. And again, changing that narrative back to the the celebration that we should be having in this industry because of the accomplishments that they've been able to do.
2: I think one thing we've seen too, I mean, and this is to operators' credit, um, they're working around the clock to find how do we protect, um, you know, testing in our country uh, on aggregate, our weekly testing um, has gone up 43% since the beginning of August. And here we, you know, here we are mid, mid-November. mid And um, the senior population mortality, the weekly mortality has dropped from a little over 4,000 Weekly to below 2,000, and even at the end of October, which is the most recent data, was around 300. That's you know, so you have this, this massive divergence, um, in a positive way. Between you have the testing increasing that way, there were you know, like I mentioned, you're taking you're being able to quarantine um, seniors at a community where the care can be can be elevated, right? Can be t- taken care of even at another level. Um, and they, we can do that sooner um, and it's becoming something that we can, uh, the, the operators can afford to do. Right. And um, so I think, you know, things like that, we're seeing that really the the care is just increasing exponentially um, and the understanding is, is there too. So it's, um, it's exciting to see. I mean, it's exciting to see how quickly, because in reality, while, it, you know, it's been a very long seven, eight, I, I guess we're, eight, nine months in at this point, it's hard to keep track. But, um, you know, it, it, that's real, that's very quick in the scheme of uh, what was asked. So I think it's um, a positive indication.
0: You know, um, probably a part two episode with you, James, I know we won't have time to dive into it today. But we've been really diving into the the data around resident care and mortality and things like that. But really, the heroes that we have to think for that. I would love to see some data around many of the things that have given our industry black eyes on, which is things like employee turnover, um, data around missed shifts, and things like that. Because I can tell you from all the community operators that I've talked to across the country, almost every single one, their employee turnover has gone down drastically. Uh, during this pandemic time, and I think it's just a testament to show the commitment level of the workers in our industry that show up every day, even during a pandemic, and double down. Uh, Gosh, even on this show, Lucas, we've had story after story of people leaving their families and moving into the communities just so they didn't bring anything into those residents um, right there on the front line. So in all of this, I think there's so many things that we can infer about the industry that's so positive. Um, we love to talk about those positive stories. And, and James, this, is, this has been really enlightening for me.
2: That'd be great. Yeah, the, the both the adding some data on the resident care side, that'd be a great, great idea.
1: Well, James, thank you so much for doing this hard work of getting into these numbers and then sharing it with us. I think it's been eye-opening to make these comparisons, especially to um, other years. And so I know that our listeners are going to want to connect. So for our listeners, we'll make sure that we connect with James in the show notes uh, so that they can reach out to you and then go to btgvoice.com and you can download the transcript of this show. You can go back and listen to it. You can go back and watch the video and then connect with us on our social sites. Give us your thoughts. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are in these communities and have experienced exactly what we're talking about in real time. Um, and have also had the experience of then, uh, reading these headlines and probably shaking their heads and saying, this is not an accurate depiction of what our industry is actually accomplishing. And so we just want everybody out there, as we've said from the beginning all the frontline workers, all the executive directors, the administrators, the staff, the executives, these operators in the, in the business, which is the core of our audience and our listeners, we want you to know that we are continuing to root for you. We're continuing to think and pray for you. You're doing an amazing work and you are not forgotten. And we're going to continue on the Bridge the Gap Network to bring good guests, good content related to the truth around this industry, which there is a lot to celebrate And there is a great path forward and it's because of the people in this business that we can do that and that we can celebrate. So with that being said, thanks to everybody for listening to another great episode of bridge the gap.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of bridge the gap, the senior living podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So visit btgvoice.com for all things about the podcast powered by supporting partners. One day propel insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, the bridge group construction, and Salinity.